Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Town. Pickle Park. A new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knocking them down. Baby says she want to go to the game. To the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that. Good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 217 of the Talking Ferris podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. I appreciate everyone joining the show today. Coming to you after the San Diego Padres just dropped two out of three to the Miami Marlins. They had a 500 road trip. I was hoping going into the road trip that they would have been like five and two. That obviously didn't happen. Uh, six and one. I thought, I guess that might have been in reach. But uh, that didn't happen. Three and three. I think it was pretty disappointing. It's not the end of the world that they weren't three and three. Um, because, you know, they still have a one game or one and a half probably now game lead on that final wild card spot with the Milwaukee Brewers. But you would have liked to win some of these games because the stretch of games against the Royals and the Nationals and the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, like, Less and less of those games are coming, you know, in the future. They're going to have to play the Dodgers nine more times, the Cardinals, the Mariners, like teams that are fighting for stuff. Um, so you want to win some of these games. Um, today was a great win, 10-3. to 3. We'll get in today's game, into today's game, Tuesday's game, Monday's game, uh, talk more about the Tati situation uh, for anyone that missed some of my thoughts on that, and I'll give you the latest on that when Tatis is meeting with the Padres and which Padres and stuff like that. 
So we got a lot on tap here. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Gaglion Bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. You can visit gaglionbros.com to view their entire menu. Uh, the Friars Road address. They are located inside Petco Park, and I believe they're going to be located inside Snapdragon Stadium uh, starting September 3rd when that stadium opens up. So plenty of different places to go get your cheesesteaks and your garlic fries. Uh Really great food there. Um, all right, let's get into this series. We'll start off with today's game. Again, if you have any questions, any comments, you want to support the channel, feel free to use a super chat there live on YouTube here. If you're on replay or on the podcast, uh, I believe you can use the super thanks button as well on YouTube if you go to the YouTube page. I just put a breakdown out, by the way, on a play that happened during today's game. Uh, Trent Grisham bunted. Uh, and looked like he was going to be safe at first base. Manny would have scored. That would have given the Padres their seventh run of the game, and it would have been, what, 11-3 instead of 10-3 uh, at the end. But the first base umpire called Grisham out because he went inside the baseline uh, and didn't give the pitcher a lane to throw him out at all. Um, and so lip reading, that breakdown, that is available. If it's not up on the YouTube because maybe MLB blocked it or something, uh, I tried uploading it again. If it's not up there, it's on the Talking Friars Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, so you can check it out anywhere there. Uh, Brisk, yes, are you going tomorrow? Yes, I'm going tomorrow, Friday, and Sunday. Desert Punk says, good win today, but disappointed in the series overall. Yeah, uh, I think that's the thoughts of a lot of Padres fans, to be honest. Um, again, I do apologize if there's any static noises or anything as the episode progresses. Because I'm not doing this on my laptop, I'm doing this on a tablet, and uh, I'm just trying to get my mic to work, and it's just not working right now, so bear with me there. But I wanted to still give an episode and a reaction and latest on the Tati stuff. Uh, but starting with today's game, 10-3 Padres win. Before the game, there were questions in the pregame show chat about Jake Cronenworth and what's wrong with him, and I actually picked him as my Padre pick today. I said, you know what, relax guys, I, I like some of the swings that he's putting on the ball. Yeah, he's popping it up a little bit, but he did have some line drives in this series. I didn't excuse him for the strikeout looking that he had yesterday uh, in the ninth inning, which we'll get to. But I was like, I still believe in this guy. I'm not going to give up on him. And it's not just because he's my favorite player, but because I actually watch all the games and I'm seeing the at-bats that he's putting together. I believe he's going to come around. And guess what? He came around. First inning, grand slam. Second at-bat, single. Uh, the Grand Slam ended up being all the Padres needed here, and you would have liked the Padres to spread some of the runs that they scored today into first uh, one or both of the first two games of this series so they could have won the series and had a winning road trip, but can't do that, obviously. Um, in the fifth, I thought it was huge. I mean, Clev, he pitched okay today. Let me look up his final line. There was some hard contact, definitely was. Uh, he went four and a third, three earned runs, walked four, and that's that's pretty alarming to me. Uh, he's got to throw more strikes. You can't have four free passes there. Um, and right out of the gate after they score five runs, you give up a run there on two hard-hit balls. Um, so hopefully he can bounce back in his next start, which would probably be – would that be Tuesday against Cleveland? Probably. Um but Pablo Lopez, on the other side of things, didn't pitch well either. He pitched worse, six runs that he allowed. And he's been pitching well this year. He only struck out two guys. He walked three, gave up the grand slam to Crony. 
Um, so that was good for the Padres. After Clev exited, Morahone came in in the fifth inning, and he struck out two batters in a row. Struck out LeBlanc, struck out Aguilar with the bases loaded to keep it at a three-run lead. That was obviously huge. Who knows if he doesn't strike him out, base hit, scores two runs, and then it's a one-run game there, and maybe the Padres get tens. You just never know what that would bring. Uh, Kim had a huge day today. Four runs that he drove in. That was huge, um, especially that final hit that cleared the bases because that made Josh Hader sit down and brought in Steven Wilson. What, that made it 10-3, just totally blew it out of the water there. Um, and there was no one at Mullins Park anyway. They said the attendance was like over 7,000 people. Uh, maybe 7,000 people bought tickets, but I, I didn't. I, I'm not so sure that 7,000 people were there. There was nobody there. Uh, that was like a college showcase game. I don't know why today's game was scheduled for 4-10 Eastern time when both teams had to travel to the West Coast. Padres obviously back home to play the Nationals tomorrow, and then the Marlins traveling back, uh, not back, traveling to the West Coast to play the Dodgers. They have a day off, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, but the Do uh, Padres, they don't. I didn't understand that. No one's going to attend the game anyway, so why are you having the game start three hours later? You know, don't understand that. But Padres still won anyway. Uh, again, props to Morahone for those that big fifth inning there. Uh, already talked about the Grisham bunt in the fifth inning. Could have scored a run, uh, but as I said in the breakdown, that was the right call, I think, by the umpires. He was running just like he was supposed to down the line, and then he looked into the pitcher, as you'll see in the breakdown, peered in, saw where he was, and then like the last step before he hit the bag, he went into inside the baseline, into like the pitcher's throwing lane, if that makes sense. So he was out. He was pissed off, but I'm sure if he looks at the video uh, again, or he's probably already looked at the video now since it's post-game, um, he probably sees, yeah, I probably messed up there. I, I understand the umpire uh, making that call. Even if he doesn't understand, well, that's the call. You know, sorry, that's the call. I agreed with the umpires. A lot of the times, I don't agree with the umpires, but I agreed there. Um, just getting through the chat here. I look, yeah, my takeaway from this game is I, I love the offense, the attack, right? Josh Bell, I want to give props to him. Finally broke that 0 for 26 hitless streak with a double in his last at bat of the game. That was big down the right field line. He ended up scoring, um, I believe, when Kim drove him in. Uh, and then I also want to give props to him for his first inning at bat. I think he ended up walking, fouled off some pitches, and that set up Crony's grand slam. So, uh, he made another good catch uh, over the railing as well. So he made an impact today. So th that was good to see. And hopefully he can take that and uh, perform even better now going forward the rest of the year because he got off to a slow start. Still has not hit a home run yet as a Padre. He hit one to the warning track in center field today. Um, but good for him. A good game pretty much all around. I would have liked Cleb to have been better today. But Morahone, Suarez, Martinez, Wilson all didn't give up any runs. And Josh Hader hasn't pitched in a week, right? Over a week. Hopefully he can get into a couple games, maybe a few games this weekend against the Nationals at home. They have the off day on Monday, so maybe they'll use that. But they are definitely giving him some time off here after blowing that save last Wednesday. He has not pitched since last Wednesday. So kind of weird. 
but that was today's game. Yesterday, Padres lost four to three. Before we get to that, want to get to any comments here? Randy says that was a tense game for a while. Yeah, I think so. It wasn't tense after Crony at the Grand Slam. I was like, all right, they got this. And then when Clev gave up that run early, hard contact, it was like, uh oh, here we go. And then, yeah, uh, when Morahone came in, obviously it was tense there. He got out of it. And then kind of felt like they cruised from there. All right. Um, let's get to yesterday's game. Disappointing. I thought I said on the post-game reaction, my reaction that I did yesterday after the game, I thought last night's loss sucked more than Monday night's loss. I know Monday they didn't score any runs, but, you know, in this game yesterday, you had Nick Fortes hit two home runs off of Manaya. Bob Melvin says after the game that it was, or he was tired, he has a tired arm, then why is he pitching there? You know, like, if you think Reese Kinnear can give you more productive innings, then call him up. Like, why is, maybe they don't want to put him on the 15-day IL, they think it's just a one-start thing, or, like, now they're just not going to have Manaya throw his in-between start bullpen, so maybe they're going to try that. But, like, if you know he's not going to be productive, then why are we throwing him out there, you know? Uh, but he wa- he wasn't that productive. His fastball was no. I mean, his fastball doesn't blow people away anyway. But his fastball yesterday was, I think it was like under eighty or excuse me, under ninety miles an hour. It was like eighty five sometimes. You know, like I I don't I did not like what I saw out of Shamanaya yesterday, where he goes four innings, gave up three runs, and he was tired. He only threw 64 pitches, and then they had to use Chris Matt for two innings, Garcia, and then Martinez. Martinez threw uh, back-to-back days today and yesterday. Didn't really like that. Like, Reese Kinnear can't go throw 60 pitches, you know? Um, I, I just don't really like putting guys, putting starters especially out. Like, bullpen, sometimes you have to put them out there because you don't want to put them on the IL. They pitch too frequently, but starters... It's like once every five days, and if you miss one start to get this guy back to pitching six innings and having quality starts, like maybe that's worth it, right? I just, I'm not too big on having starting pitchers go out there and know that their arm is tired and that could lead to dead arm and, or maybe that could lead to an even worse injury, you know, down the line. I, I just, I didn't like that yesterday. Uh, and then obviously, Eighth in, or eighth, no seventh inning. Myers got thrown out at third base on the shallow sack fly to right. Um, I definitely understand some people's argument that you got to be aggressive, right? In that situation, you got to send Will. That would have put a runner on third, one out. Sack fly ties the game. There would have been what four four. Uh, but you also got to realize that Brian Anderson has a cannon. I saw some people on Twitter in the comments when I posted the video of Will getting thrown out there by Brian Anderson. They were saying, no, I like the aggressiveness. Anderson just has a cannon. Well, then, if he just has a cannon, then that's why you don't send him when it's a shallow fly ball to right field. You know, he was camped under it really well. He got good momentum into the throw. I didn't understand that. Obviously, that's in hindsight, and it's easy for me to say, no, you shouldn't send him there after he gets thrown out. I probably wouldn't say that right now if he was safe, right? Uh, But looking at the play as a fan after it, it's like, 
it didn't even take a good throw to throw Will out there, you know? It took a bad throw. It was okay to have a bad throw. The throw was five feet to the left of first base, and the third baseman caught it and then reached over and then tagged Will, had time to do that, you know? Uh, if Will doesn't go, it's one out, runner on second, and if the same things happened, I think Kim walked, and then Drury singled. It was a shallow single, uh, so I don't think Will would have scored from second there, but it would have been bases loaded, Profar up. He grounds out, probably beats out the double play attempt. Then you have Juan Soto coming up with the bases loaded. Like, I'll take my chances with that, right? Uh, but then even in the ninth inning, like, okay, even if you want to be on the side of, okay, Will was being aggressive, I love that. Okay, well, the ninth inning, you can't be happy about that, right? Ninth inning, you had my, uh, excuse me, Manny and then Soto get on consecutively. Uh, Soto singled, and then Manny also singled to right. And then three straight strikeouts, Josh Bell. Crony gets frozen, and then Will doesn't swing at the first pitch, hanging breaking ball down the middle, and then he swings through a fastball that's pretty much the heart of the zone. Like, that was frustrating there. Um, and they scored 10 runs today. That's great, but guess what? You can't, you know, you can't spread some of those runs into yesterday's game or to Monday's game, right? So it's, it's like it's all or nothing right now with the Padres offense. You know, they either score like nine or 10 runs or they score like zero runs. They scored three runs yesterday, right? Um, I understand that. But most of the time, it feels like, I saw Kevin Acey's newsletter a couple days ago, it's like nine runs or 10 runs, uh, 10 runs today, obviously, or it's like zero runs or it's, you know, one or two runs. Like, it feels like it's all or nothing. And they need to sp- they need to spread some of those runs out. And I'm not saying, because I know you can't spread spread the runs out, like, obviously, like, physically, right? You can't do that. But I'm saying they, their offense needs to be more consistent and score more runs more frequently, obviously. Like, that's, you don't need me to tell you that. That's obvious. That's Captain Obvious, right? So that's what was frustrating is definitely in these first two games. Yesterday's game, having too many strikeouts, struck out 13 times, left 25 guys on base compared to the Marlins leaving 13 on base. Um, runners in scoring position, they were two for tw- or one for 12. Marlins were two for nine. Uh, yeah. Or, excuse me. Yesterday, they left 12 on base. Sorry. They had 25 at-bats, I believe, with guys left on base. I was looking at the wrong thing in the box score. Sorry. I, I, it wasn't that bad. But, yeah, it was still bad. 12 guys left on base That's compared to um, the Marlins leaving only five on base. So, not great. Not great. And then Manai, obviously, with the tired arm. I don't really like that. I, like I said earlier, why are we throwing him out there if you know that he's tired and you're not getting the, the best out of him, right? Is there a better option? You know, that's just what I think. Um, Desert Punks asks, any theories why the offense varies day by day? It's just not consistent. You had some holes there. Uh, I always believed in Crony, but the numbers, he, he did have a little bit of a slump. Josh Bell, obviously, when you're having him hit fourth, um, that's not ideal when he's going over 26 that kills a lot of rallies or when guys get on base stuff goes out the window uh you know what i mean by that is like base runners those opportunities go out the window because you know josh bell's going to get out hopefully today was a stepping stone and he can be better going forward um 
yeah, just it's inconsistently inconsistency. That's that's the theory I, or the explanation that I have for you. Uh, Briss asked, "Do you know who's on the mound tomorrow?" Um, I think it's who would it be? Snell. I think it would be Snell. I don't believe. I don't know if they've named any starters. I'm looking right now on MLB.com. By the way, Milwaukee plays the Dodgers later tonight. Uh, Darvish. Darvish is tomorrow. Okay. It says it's Anibal Sanchez against you, Darvish. And then Friday, City Connect Day, Snell. Feels like he pitches every City Connect Day. He usually pitches well on every City Connect game, so I'm fine with that. Espino against Snell on Friday. Saturday, Musgrove against Gray. And then Sunday, Manaya against Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin has sucked this year. He has a 6.96 ERA. So that's this weekend. As for game one, Padres lost 3 0. Um, that was frustrating. Obviously, Profar had the lazy throw. Yeah, Darvish is tomorrow, Ram, in the comments there. Yeah. Obviously, Monday. Profar had that lazy throw, had a breakdown on that. Um, some miscommunication, I think. Initially, we all thought that he was baiting Rojas to go to third. Rojas ends up getting to third, but he was just trying to redirect Kim as the cutoff man. Still, he should have thrown the ball in earlier. That's on him. He says that he's not going to do that again, and so I believe him. Um, I liked the accountability uh, of him saying he's not going to do it again. It's my fault. Kind of sounds the opposite of what Tatis is doing right now, and we'll get to him. Uh, but Soto, uh, Musgrove, Manny, they all talked to Profar as soon as he came off the field in that inning. So I really like that. They're definitely the leaders of this clubhouse, the real leaders on this team. That run didn't really matter. Rojas got to third. Stallings brought him in. That run didn't really matter because uh, they didn't score any runs. You don't score any runs, you're not going to win the games, right? Um I think, who was it? On Musgrove pitched on Monday. I don't think he was terrible. Six innings, gave up three earned runs, but come on, that really, I don't think that third run should have been earned on him. That was a mental mistake by Profar, but you can't say that was an error on Profar because it's not like he dropped a pop-up or made a bad throw. He just made a late throw, you know? Um, but Musgrove didn't walk anyone. Love that. He continues to bounce back after that tough four five start stretch. Not worried about him. Anyone that wants to say he's not an ace. Well, look, I think he still is one of the Padres aces. Snell, Darvish, and Musgrove. I'll take those three against almost anyone in baseball. You could say the Mets are better, right? DeGrom, Scherzer, and then who would it be? Chris Bassett. Uh, maybe you can make an argument with the Dodgers, but like, I'd still take those three guys. I'm confident in those three guys. That's just me. Um, his ERA is now below three again, 298. Wilson came in, shutout inning. Tim Hill, shutout inning. But the offense, that's the story. First two games, that was the story, right? They scored 10 runs today, but didn't score any runs Monday. Scored three runs yesterday. Uh, 0 for 2. They only had two runners in scoring position. Or they only had two at-bats with runners in scoring position that uh, on Monday. They left eight on base. 
Marlins had six uh, at-bats with the runner in scoring position. One for six, they went. They left on eight. Padres had five hits. Marlins had nine, so they were out-hit there. Um, I mean, Bell on Monday after Monday's game had a, what, four-game hitless streak? And when he's hitting fourth, like, that's a hole there. You know, Manny uh, went two for four. I believe he's at, like, eight multi-hit games now, I want to say. So he's he's on fire. Uh, but that was, like, the, that he was the only guy that had multi-hits in that game on Monday. Profar 0 for four, Soto 0 for three, Bell 0 for four, Grisham 0 for two, Kim 0 for four, Nola 0 for three. So a lot of offers there. And you're not going to have consistent production. You know, what I was talking about earlier about the offense bearing day by day. You're not going to have consistent run production if you have that many offers in the lineup and only a couple guys are producing. I saw a stat on Bally earlier today where Manny has driven in 30% of the Padres runs over a certain amount of time. Uh, yeah, they, they need more consistent production from the offense. There's no doubt about that. And that's pretty much the story of this series and then the road trip going three for three, you know, that's disappointing to me. Obviously you could say Saturday's game. Maybe they could have won that game messed up call by the umpire game should have been tied, but there's no guarantee they would have won that game. Um, you know, disappointing. Yeah. They took two out of three in Washington, but then losing two out of three, I know you're facing good pitchers against the Marlins or in the Marlins pitchers. But look, are they going to face bad pitchers when the postseason comes? No, they're not. So that's what we got to look at here is like, you can make the excuse right now, oh, Sandy Alcantara, he's just great. And I'm pretty sure I said that. Props to Alcantara uh, in my postgame reaction on Monday. But they're going to face, they're going to have to face those type of pitchers in the postseason. What if they face the Mets? Then they're going to have to go face DeGrom and Scherzer. We're, you're not going to have an excuse there when the postseason comes, right? And I know that's a long ways away, but these are the teams that you should be beating, right? If we go, let me look up the Padres' schedule here. Like, they play the Nationals, right? That's the good thing. This coming weekend, four games in the Insta Nationals. Tomorrow's Joe Musgrove bobblehead day. We'll get the, we'll, we will get to the Tati stuff uh, in a minute here. Um, Padres' schedule got four against the Nationals. Then they have an off day. And then they play two games against Cleveland. So they host Cleveland. Not a great team. They're first in the AL Central, but Padres are a better team than them. And then they go to Kansas City. That's a team you should beat. But then after that, you got San Francisco, the Dodgers, three against Arizona, okay. But then the Dodgers again, Seattle's a playoff team. Later in September, they play St. Louis, the Dodgers again, the White Sox, who are probably, they're either going to be out or they're going to be really fighting for a playoff spot. So that might be a dangerous series. And then they got the Giants for three games in the, or for the last three games of the season before the postseason. So Milwaukee has a much easier schedule compared to the Padres. And I'll look up that schedule right now. So like these series, my point is these series against the Marlins here, uh, and the series against the Nationals, like these are series you got to win, I think. They're a game and a half up on the Brewers right now for a wild card spot. By the end of the night, it's going to change because the Brewers game will be over. 
But like the Brewers, they play in the National League Central. It's obviously not as talented of a division as the National League West is, right? And so they're playing the Dodgers right now, but then they get the Cubs, play Dodgers again, but then they play the Cubs again, the Pirates, they suck, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, they play the Reds. Uh, Yeah, they get the Yankees and the Mets, Cardinals still, but then they get the Reds again, the Marlins, like, uh, to me, right there, that looks – and then they finish out with the Marlins, uh, final two games of that series, and then they finish off against the Diamondbacks. Like, they play a lot of non-contending teams, and just looking at the eyeball test there, they play more non-contending teams than the Padres do. Maybe that's a trap for the Brewers because there's still teams – there's young guys are hungry and they're trying to fight for roster spots and get a leg up going into next year's spring training. But you can't tell me that they have uh, more motivation than contending teams, right? Because they're trying to go get into the postseason compared to the Marlins and the Diamondbacks and the Reds and the Pirates, right? So these are series. The Padres have to win three out of four here against the Nationals, I think. Uh, Yeah, is the season going to be over if they don't take three out of four? No. But they're running out of games against the bad teams. I keep saying that, but... It's true. It's very important that they win these games that they got to win and find a way to be consistent on offense, spread out some of these runs. So, all right, Um, let's get to the Tatis stuff. And I think that'll finish the episode. One quick thing here, the Padres outscored Miami in this series. That's another thing, like being more consistent. Don't just have one great day. Spread it around. 13 runs the Padres scored in this series. They end up losing the series to a team that scored 10 runs. You know, it's they got to be more consistent. Score more runs more consistently. Uh, getting to the Tatis stuff. So I already talked about this on the pregame show yesterday. I uploaded it to the podcast uh, platforms, but it wasn't an official episode. I was just tagging it on to the pregame show. So if you missed it, here are my thoughts on some former players. And actually stay if you already heard my thoughts because there's, there was another player that spoke out about Fernando. And he made no sense, Pedro Martinez, that is. So I already talked about Edwin and Tatis Sr. and David Ortiz yesterday, but I'll talk about them again and what they said. And I'll talk about Pedro Martinez and his comments. Uh, I posted a clip on the Talking Friars Twitter, and it makes no sense what he said. Um, All right, let's get to David Ortiz first. He said, or let me actually quote it correctly. MLB needs to have some regulations before they made public news like the one that happened to Tatis Jr. I think they haven't handled this situation the right way. And my reaction to that, what do you mean they haven't handled the situation the right way? What do you mean they need to have some, you know, regulations before they make public news? They wouldn't have to make public news if Tatis didn't test positive. They're just doing their jobs. They don't have any control over what the media does with it, what the fans do with it. What are they going to do? Not announce that Tatis tested positive? They have to. Like, that's just what it is. Um, Like, MLB isn't... You really think Major League Baseball doesn't want Fernando on the field right now? He's one of the faces of baseball. They tried to make him the face of baseball. He probably was the face of baseball before he did this. And it's his mistakes. His mistakes are why... You have Ortiz and Edwin Encarnacion and Fernando Tatis Sr. and Pedro Martinez lashing out here and being mad. Like, it's on him. And Edwin Encarnacion said, the MLB sank him. One, it's not the MLB, it's just Major League Baseball. 
That's just one of my pet peeves. But he said, I'm sure that if the same thing happened to Tatis Jr. had happened to another player, that, you know, Major League Baseball would have handled it differently. It's incredible what they did to the face of baseball. Again, Major League Baseball didn't do anything to the face of baseball. All they did was just announce it. The Players Association announced, announced it, actually, uh, because of something that they had no control over. They ran tests, Tatis tested positive, and there you go. Major League Baseball didn't do anything. They're not the ones sinking him. He's sinking himself. And fans like myself, fans like you guys probably, are disappointed in Fernando, and he's lessened the Padres' chances of winning the World Series this year. That's just the bottom line. I still believe in this team. Look what they did today, right? Um, look what they did on that Wednesday, Wednesday night, Soto's debut. They've done all of this. They're in a playoff spot without Fernando. They've done it all year without him. You know, if the pitching staff pitches well, I'm confident in this team, right? Um, like, it's just mind-boggling that these players, these former players, think that Major League Baseball are the ones at fault here. They haven't done anything. Tatis was the one that did it to himself. And so, yeah, they've done all this without Fernando. Go do it without Fernando. Prove people wrong. Prove the doubters wrong. And those that are laughing at you that, haha, Fernando's out for the year, go prove them wrong and say, no, we don't need Fernando this year. We're a talented team. We've done all this without him. Use that as like, you know, a rallying cry. And you have that chip on your shoulder. I think that's good for the Padres this season. And uh, Tati Sr., he said this, I think yesterday, Tati, or this has been a terrible situation for baseball and for Tatis Jr.'s name. This is part of the envy and the hypocrisy that is around Jr., even within some of his teammates. Now, that, that statement's stupid. Like, come on, man. Really? Like, he said, one, so Tatis says he got it from Ringworm. Uh, Hector Gomez reported from an actual source that Tatis used it to hide the motorcycle accident. So there's just a bunch of lying here. We have no idea what's what. Fans don't buy the ringworm stuff. And then Fernando's dad a couple of days ago said that he got he got it from uh, a haircut, a fungus from a haircut. He was treating it with a spray that contained uh, Clustaball or something. It's like, I'm not buying that. You really think we're going to buy that excuse? Like, why can't you just own up to it? You know, you were trying to get back faster and it's your fault, Fernando. I know Fernando did own up to like, kind of. He said that he was sorry. He, he said, I want to apologize to Peter and his teammates and fans and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm not buying the ringworm excuse. And then Fernando's dad, you're saying that it's a terrible situation for baseball. Why is it a terrible situation for baseball? Because Tatis did this to him and he's one of the faces of the game. He did this to himself. That's why. Major League Baseball didn't do anything. Um, you know, and then saying that t even some teammates are, like, jealous of Fernando, envy him. Like, what? Yeah, I can understand why some might envy Tatis of being, like, the face of baseball or whatever. But why would they envy someone who's, like, immature right now? Someone that's not a team leader right now. Uh, yeah, he's gotten the contract, so they can envy him about that, but why would they be jealous of someone that can't get on the field right now? You know? And even if they are jealous, like, why are you saying that in public? You're just making this even bigger, and you're just making this worse, I think. Like, it feels like you're lying about what happened with this steroid stuff, and now you're throwing his teammates into it. And now they're going to have to answer questions from the media on Thursday 
sorry, I'm going to block this person. They're going to have to answer questions from the media on Thursday before the Nationals game about if they do envy Fernando, probably, you know? So it just doesn't make sense. Making the situation worse. Um, Pedro Martinez yesterday on TBS said that he has to give Fernando a pass. Uh, he's that because the Padres need to know everything that's going on. Fernando Tatis Jr. 24 seven, even if it's the flu, he mentioned the flu in his explanation. I didn't know the flu could get on someone, uh, that someone could put the flu on themselves. Like, come on, Pedro. Uh, and then earlier before he said that he was like, no, Fernando's at fault. He can read English. Like he should know this stuff. He has a big league dad and all that. It's like, Make your one point, like you're flip-flopping sides here. And Ernie Johnson, Jimmy Rollins, they, Curtis Granderson, they like have no idea what he was talking about because he said one thing, and then 30 seconds later, he said the opposite. Like, it's on Fernando. He should be accountable. And then he says, no, he, he should get a pass. This is on the Padres. The Padres should know everything that goes into his body, onto his body 24-7. It's like, that's ridiculous, man. They can't – so – what you want AJ Preller to babysit Tatis everywhere he goes? You want him to live with Tatis in his house? Like he has a job to do. What you're gonna have a personal security guard? Uh, but what if they don't want to report anything that Fernando's doing? You know, like it's just weird. Like you really think that a adult? Look, this guy's not a kid. He's 23. You think that this guy? One. You think this guy would agree to having people around him 24-7? And two, that really shows immaturity then uh, if the Padres would have to have someone like that around him 24-7. Like, it's impossible. And then someone, I think it was Jimmy Rollins, asked Pedro. He's like, yeah, so you want the Padres to know everything that everyone puts in their body on ev- uh, about everyone on the roster? And Pedro's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's impossible. So you you want 29 personal chefs or security guards or personal trainers to travel to and from the ballpark, from Coronado with every player? Like, and that's just not realistic. And so these former players, it's like, you got to know, know what you're talking about before you make these public comments. Like, don't say Major League Baseball is doing this to him. They're not doing anything. They're just following the rules that they put into place uh, that the players know are in place. And Fernando did this to himself. His family's digging a deeper hole. And some of these players like Pedro Martinez, I totally understand uh, him wanting to back one of the Dominican players and back any of uh, former player that tests positive. Cause I know that those are obviously those former players or players like, we can't relate to them, right? Because we're not former players. We don't play in the game. You know, we've never reached that level. But if you're going to defend someone, know what you're talking about first and don't flip-flop. Don't say he deserves a pass. 30 seconds earlier, you say it's on him. Like, it doesn't make sense. Come on. Uh, All Dago says, by any chance did you listen to Adam Jones this morning on Ben and Woods? Yes. What? Do you have a follow-up to that? I thought it was good. He's always good on there. I love it. Love that segment. Uh, But, yeah, I think in terms of the steroid stuff, he was talking about how uh, there was like 20 guys in rookie ball or something that that were taking something when he was playing, but that was a long time ago. Uh, That's what I remember from it. 
let me know if you have any follow-up to that. Yeah, Brian, I agree. The definition of digging yourself into a deeper hole. It's what it feels like. I just don't understand these comments, especially from like Tatis's dad. Like, just let Fernando speak for himself. He's an adult. I know you want to protect the guy. You're just making it worse. Like, we hear that the ringworm was from a cream, and now it's from a spray that he got from a haircut. Like, just let the guy speak for himself whenever he does speak publicly on camera. You know? And then the update on Tatis, by the way, Kevin AC has reported that he's going to meet with AJ Preller tomorrow on Thursday. He's going to meet with Peter Seidler on Saturday. It is not. De- it has not been determined yet when he's going to meet with the Padres clubhouse and address them. So that is something to look for. And tomorrow, I'm sure that a lot of people will be asking questions about how that meeting went with Fernando because Fernando cannot be in the ballpark when public gates open. So the meeting, I assume would have to happen at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon before the fans can get in at, what it would be, 4.30, season ticket holders. So I would assume to be hearing some news, maybe right before the game, if Kevin Acey or Dennis Lynn get sources from the clubhouse about uh, the meeting, or the meeting, it's not tomorrow, sorry. Acey said that the meeting's not tomorrow. Uh, they don't know what the meeting is. But in terms of the meeting with Preller, I'm sure Preller will tell other front office people how the meeting went and what he said, and maybe those people will fill it or will uh, filter it to AC or Lynn or any other reporters. So maybe we'll hear some news about that tomorrow or definitely Friday into the weekend. So that's something to look forward to. Um, Any more questions, any more comments? Got the Nationals Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nationals suck. Obviously, you knew that watching the series, their last series. Uh, they lost to the Cubs today, who are 49 and 67. So the Nationals now are 39 and 80. 39 and 80. Holy crap. Were the Padres that bad? Were they 39 and 80 in like 2017 or whatever? Like, that is. Freaking terrible. And that was with Juan Soto on their team. Let me look this up. Let me look up their schedule. 2017 Padres. Remember, this was the team. Hold on one second. Will Myers was like the star. Manuel Margot, Julius Chassin, Brad Hand, Jose Perella, right? Stammen, Salarte was on there. Hedges, Aswahe, Renfro. Clayton Richard wasn't a great team. Let's see what their record was. Nationals are 39 and 80. Let me see. So that would be how many games into the season? Well, we're August 17th. Uh, I know the season's so two weeks, so I got to go two weeks behind. So on August 17th in 2017, the Padres were 54 and 67. Not nearly as bad as this Nationals team right now. Uh, if we go deeper into September, go to September, September 1st, they were 59 and 75. So not great. 16 games under 500, but that's not 41 games under 500. Like this, this Nats team sucks. I'm glad I'll be able to see Luke Voigt 
and C.J. Abrams. Luke Voigt, Thursday, tomorrow. Give this guy a standing ovation, please. What this ha- what happened to this guy sucks, man. He does not want to be in, the- in Washington. He loved being here. The chess moss, the water bo- bottle celebration. Let's friggin' go San Diego. He loved being here. Let's give this guy a standing ovation. And then CJ, hope all the best is for him. You know, nothing personal against him, obviously. They were getting Juan Soto, right? You're going to take Juan Soto. Uh, JD's third. Did the Padres lose to the Nationals this past weekend? Yes. Or, yes. They lost on Saturday. They won the series. They won Friday and Sunday. They scored 10 runs on that Friday game. They lost 4-3 to three on Saturday, and then they won that Sunday Peacock game. They scored a good amount of runs there. So they didn't lose the series, which is good because this Nats team sucks. They did lose a game, uh, and that game should have been tied because the umpire's crap call. So hopefully they can take some – I know there's no momentum in baseball. It's just however good your next day's starting pitcher is and can the offense – do good against that next day's starting pitcher. But hopefully they can, Josh Bell can get some confidence here, get the offense rolling into this national series. So this is going to do it. Episode 217, Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden, signing off. Go Padres. Hopefully you guys enjoy your, what is today? Wednesday, your Wednesday evening. Padres lost this series, three and three road trip, but they get to play in the nationals and they come back home. And what should be a great, great series this weekend. So, I'll talk to you guys later. Go Pods.